Hey guys, I'm here with Elena and we're going to be talking about EdTech tools. Um, so I'm going to start by kind of explaining my tool a little bit. So today I'm going to talk about Class Dojo. And Class Dojo is a behavior management and classroom environment um, tool. So this is an app that the teacher gets and then the students can also get it on their computers and design their own avatars. Um, so it's free for everybody. Um, and what happens is the teachers can award points to their students based off of good behaviors and bad behaviors. So if a student does something that's good, they get positive points. And if a student does something bad, they get negative points, which, you know, detracts from their overall point total. Um, and it also, what it does is really cool. It allows for parents to see what's going on in class because teachers can take pictures and videos of their students' work or what their kids have been doing throughout the day and send that to the parents through the app. Um, and it also allows for students to create their own digital portfolio and um, submit stuff into that so that their parents can see. And it's so it's really cool for that reason, um, because it allows um, more open communication with parents, which is really important. Parent involvement is one of the biggest factors in student success. Um, and it's really hard for some parents to have that kind of communication with teachers and be that involved with their students because maybe they work three jobs or they just don't have time to go in and sit down and have a meeting for their one hour free time a day when really that time would be better spent having a moment with their children. Um, so it's really cool for that reason and it really helps to build that classroom community. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit about Class Dojo through their website. Okay. So when you get to Class Dojo, you can click on Learn More, and it kind of gives their breakdown of their mission statement. So they want to create a positive culture, give students a voice, and share a moment with parents. So this is where it kind of describes um, messaging the students' parents, like I talked about earlier. Uh, the other cool thing about Class Dojo is it has a couple tools that you can use. So there is the Classroom Direction app. There's a random group generator. There's things like timers and ThinkPairShare and classroom music. Um, there's also the classroom noise monitor. So you can put that up on the board and when the kids get too loud, the monitor goes up and it's a little visual um, cue that they need to bring their volume back down. Um, there's also different um, tools that you can use that help you manage your classroom a little bit easier. And so that's a really cool part of it because um, it's just a different way of doing things. Um, there's a student portfolio, which I talked a little bit about. You know, students can showcase their learning. And then there's also a couple resources that that teachers can use to teach their students how to 
have good behavior and how to be positive influences in their community. You know, it talks about how to talk things out. Like it, it goes through positive behavior. Um, and I, I really believe their biggest goal is to create a better and a more connected community than is available in a lot of classrooms. Um, so when I was looking at reviews of Class Dojo, I used Common Sense Media and EdSurge. And overall, the reviews were really positive. Um, people really like that it allows you to communicate with parents and it allows you to almost extend communication and it provides more opportunities for a variety of different people in your class. Obviously, it shouldn't replace direct communication with parents, but it's a good way to do that. And obviously, it's not completely transforming our ability to communicate with parents because you can still send home flyers or there's the Remind app, which allows you to text parents too. So there's other ways to do it, but Class Dojo gives students an opportunity to participate as well, which I think is very unique. Um, as far as negative reviews go, the biggest complaints were that people don't agree with the point system. Um, they think that students should be motivated to be good because they want to be good, not because they're afraid that they're going to lose points or get points if they um, are, are good or if they're bad. They think that you should teach them to be motivated to be good not because they think they're going to get a reward. Um, so that is something that is interesting to look at. And that they also said that um, some teachers will post students' point scores on the board throughout the day so that everybody can see who has high points in the class and who has low points. And they're very concerned that that's not necessarily healthy for students to see. And then the other criticism was that as far as translating for parents that don't speak English as their first language, there is kind of a stumbling block there. It's not as easy to translate into Spanish. Um, so there are definitely improvements and it's definitely not going to transform anything. Um, there's still other ways to use these types of methods in a class without using Class Dojo. But I think there's a lot to be said for what they believe in and what it is capable of doing and I think it is a viable option for a lot of classrooms. Awesome, thanks for sharing. Um, my tool that I'm going to be talking about today is Nearpod and what Nearpod is is basically a platform that allows teachers to create or download interactive lessons through any kind of device. So it can be through your computer, your tablet, your phone, um, iPad, any of that. So um, something that's really cool about Nearpod is that it is actually capable with um, Google Classroom and Google Slides. So um, you can use Google Classrooms and Google Slides when you are um, creating your PowerPoints um, or your lessons, I should say, which is really cool. And I'm actually going to show you it so that you can have a little bit more of an idea of what it looks like. So when you first get on, you're gonna come onto this screen. 
And so if you're a student, the students are going to enter in this code. Um, for every lesson you have, there's going to be a code that students put in that allows them to either look at it live with you in the class or have it at their own pace, at the student's pace. And as a teacher, you get to control that. Um, and if you're a teacher, you get to sign up for it for free. And also you get to sign up for it for free from if you're an administrator. So that's really cool. Um, and something that's really cool about this app um, is that I'm actually gonna click on mine so that you can kind of get a little bit of an idea of what it looks like. So if you're a teacher and you say you signed up, um, you're gonna come to this page and what you're gonna see is you're gonna see you can create your own lesson or you can explore lessons. Um, and as you can see, here's the live lesson or the student paste. Um, and so that's what happens when you first go on. Um, and then if you want to download a lesson instead of creating one from scratch, because it is time consuming to make it from scratch, you can go to the Nearpod lesson over here. Um, and if you notice, it has all these different topics. So let's say you want to do science. And let's say you want to talk about life science and biology. Let's say that's a topic you pick. And then it has all these different grades. So if you notice, it goes from kindergarten up to 12th grade. Um, so there's a really wide range. Let's say you want to do kindergarten. So I click on that, and you're going to come up with all these different lessons. This one's a little bit more limited. But as you can tell, there are some that are free, and there are some that are not. Um, the cheapest, just single lesson you'll find is $5. The most expensive you'll find is probably $20, but that has multiple lessons in it. Um, and the most basic package that I have is silver, and that one's completely free. Um, and that has different features like draw it, um, collaborate, think, pair, share, open-ended questions. Um, there's a field trip option where you can go somewhere in the world and kind of walk around um, virtually. So you have all of that, but um, with Nearpod, they do have a gold package, which is $120 a year um, for that teacher, and then she can use that for whatever classes she wants. Um, and with that, you can assign homework and you can actually create your own virtual field trips. Um, or you can get the Platinum Package, which I believe is $349 a year. Um, and that has unlimited access to over 7,500 K-12 lessons. So in that package, you wouldn't have to worry about paying for lessons. Most of the lessons you would find would be free. Um, so that's something really awesome about this app. Um, and like I said, even when you purchase a lesson, you can still change it and modify it to fit the needs of your students. So it's super customizable depending on your students' needs. And then after your lesson's done, as a teacher, you will be able to get reports and live feedback for how your students are doing, um, if they're understanding concepts, if there's concepts that you need to go over. Um, so you get real-time feedback on how your students are doing based on all this data that Nearpod is gathering.
So that's super cool. So when I was looking at different reviews on EdSurge and Common Sense and different sites like that, typically this app scored between 4.5 and 5. It's usually the range. And a lot of the feedback was really positive. Most teachers really liked it a lot. And they loved it for engagement. They said it was super great for engagement. Um, but it did have a very limited lesson library if you wanted to teach um, Spanish as a language. Um, that might be something that probably like high schooler teachers would worry about. Um, if you're in kindergarten, you probably won't have to really worry about that as much. Um, but that is a concern. And also because the free version is still somewhat limited, um, that was a negative. But most people really loved, like I said, how interactive it was. They loved the, the feedback that they would get. Um, and so overall, there was a ton of really positive comments on it. And most teachers really loved it. And I feel like if it's getting 4.5 between 5, that kind of speaks for the app itself, that, it's, that there's a lot of positives. It's not perfect, but there's still a lot of positives. Um, and actually, with Nearpod, even though it's a really new piece of technology still, um, there's actually been a lot of research done on it. So um, just to share a couple statistics, um, something they found was that 50% participated more compared to other activities, and that 40% of students learned more using Nearpod. Um, so that's one statistic. And then another statistic was 82% um, of students felt that they were able to express their creativity, but 42% um, express, expressed more creativity in Nearpod than they would with other activities. Um, and so these are results based on what students said and based on what teachers have found, um, based on case studies, based on reports, based on surveys, all these different collections of data. Um, so for me, I personally think it's really engaging. Um, I think that because it has so many different tools, it adds a new level to the different tasks. So it augments a lot. Um, and I don't, I don't think it necessarily transforms because there's still things you could do um, outside of Nearpod. But for the most part, um, there's a lot of great tools that can really cause students to think on a deeper level, but again, it depends on how you use it, just like with any technology tool. Um, and I think that it's very interactive. That was the majority of the feedback was how interactive it was, because you have things like um, collaboration and open-ended questions and things like that, that make the students become active participants and act for themselves on their own learning. Um, so that's just some things I found about um, Nearpod. I personally really like it and I'd use it in my classroom um, because it got so many good reviews and it is well backed by research. Um, and it just has a lot of really great features about it that help make students actually engaged and excited to learn. So yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention as well. Um, Something that's really cool is that there has been some research that they did on um, English language learners, ELLs, um, and they said that with the research, they found that it has been proven to help ELLs a lot. Um, 
because it helps them with their vocabulary and things like that. So it has been shown that it does help ELLs. It can be used for this special education classroom or any education classroom because it can be customized to whatever the classroom needs are. Okay, so I have a couple questions about Nearpod. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, when you talk about the research that has been done, is that research from Nearpod or is this outside companies? Just so when because. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. If it's if it's from Nearpod, you know, is it is it? it I mean, it's going to be biased. Um, so I just wanted to hear your take on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sure thing. So when I was trying to find research, um, most of it was by the company. So there will naturally be some bias um, and statistics are always, there's always some midget, small green of um, inconsistencies, I guess, or untruth with any statistic you have. Um, but I do think that even though like, yes, a lot of it is from the company itself and you're totally right, there definitely is some bias there. Um, I think the fact that they do have several case studies and several um, research things on it does speak volumes. Um, there was even one where there was, they went to Cal, not California, Florida, and they looked at um, like at least 10 different school districts, um, thousands of different students, a lot of them from low economic status. And it showed how a lot of those students improved academically because they were using Nearpod as a tool to help aid in that learning. Um, and I think that's the thing we have to remember is it's meant to aid in learning. It's not there to replace instructional learning, it's there to aid it. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's important that you point out it's not meant to replace. Um, because I feel like, especially right now, um, and the near future about, you know, we have to look at options with, you know, virtual classrooms and remote learning. And I think that's really scary for a lot of people and they don't know how to use it. And I think, I think one of the biggest things that we're going to miss out on is, you know, the social emotional learning, the connection that you form with your class because you've been experiencing the same thing all throughout the year. And obviously you can build that without me like without meeting face to face, but it's not the same. Um, so I want to hear your take on, you know, Nearpod, do you think it should be used as a supplement or do you think in a situation like um, remote learning, it should be the main thing supplemented by other lessons? Um, that's a great question. Um, I would probably use it as the main thing with other things supplementing it just because there is so many capabilities, even the free version that you can do. And all those tools are meant to help aid in your objective of the lesson. So since it is meant to be the lesson platform, I would use that as the main thing with all the different features it has so that you're still using different 
um, tools to engage the students, but I'd also supplement it with other things um, because we know that students learn different ways. Um, so I would supplement it with other things as well um, to help. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, last question, maybe a two-parter. We'll see how this goes. Um, when you talk about the price, do you think that's a deterrent? Because, you know, something like 67% of all technology or technological tools that are purchased for school districts go unused. So do you think the price would stop schools from purchasing this tool? And also, do you think that the age group that this is targeted to would also affect whether or not a school makes the decision to purchase this? Um, I definitely can see the age definitely affecting whether schools purchase it or not, because when I was going through um, the library of lessons that you could download and purchase, there was still a good amount for all grades, but I definitely noticed that the older you got, it seemed like the more available lessons there were. Um, and so I think there's still lessons for all ages from kindergarten through 12th grade, but I do think um, it, it can be viewed as being more suited towards like middle school, high school, the older grades, just because it seemed like there was a little bit more lessons um, for that grade. But that's not saying you can't use it for elementary because there's still lessons for them too. Um, to answer your question about price, I definitely think it can be a deterrent um, for teachers and schools using it um, because, I mean, yeah, it's 120 a year for the gold and then I think 349, I think is what I said. And that's per class, right? Um, yeah, per teacher. Um, at least from what I understood. Um, that's what it seemed like. So it definitely does cost, but that's only if you want to access more. So I think it, it depends on how much the school or teacher feels like they're gonna use it. Because if they feel like they're gonna use a Nearpod lesson, let's say two times a week, then they're probably gonna wanna pay more. So that way they don't have to purchase a new lesson every single time. And they have more features too. So I think as far as price goes, it can be a deterrent, but they also still have a free option. So if you don't wanna pay, there's still a free option that still has a lot of tools that still has a lot of ways you can use it. Um, you're just gonna have to pay for the lessons, which can be a deterrent. I think when you're looking at price, you just have to think about how much am I gonna use this? Um, and then that will kind of determine if you're willing to pay more for it. Mm -hmm. Hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, that's all my questions. <laughs> cool. Um, so yours, I know, was a lot about positive community. That was one of Class Dojo's statements. So how can Class Dojo um, help build that positive community when we're in a situation right now that is all online learning? So I think, I think that's definitely something that Class Dojo would have to be adapted, right? Because the teacher is not going to be there throughout the entire day, they're not gonna monitor everything the student is doing. Um, 
So I don't know what they are thinking, but from my standpoint, what I think could happen is teachers would award positive points based off of, was your camera on when you were in Zoom? Were you contributing to the conversation? When I popped into a breakout room, did everybody have their camera off and they were all on mute and nobody was talking? Um, also just, you can kind of tell when somebody's not on task in Zoom or if they're, if they're there, but they're not really there. You know what I mean? And so I think positive points could be awarded like that. Um, and also negative, you know, you, you weren't paying attention in class. I could, I could see your phone was out. Um, and I think, so one of the criticisms of Class Dojo was that it doesn't really work for older students. It works more for younger students. But I think in an online setting, I almost feel like Class Dojo would work better for older students because you could award positive points based off of the conversations that you had in class or maybe they turned in work that was really, really good. Um, so I feel like you would have to adjust it for smaller kids because obviously a kindergartner in a Zoom class is not going to go as well as a high schooler in a Zoom class who understands that when you're in class, you sit down, you stay sitting, you listen to the teacher um, when you need to and you participate when you're asked. And I also think that maybe you give the parents a little bit of a say in points. Like maybe if the parent notices during the day that they were extra on task when they were doing worksheets or any other form of learning that doesn't have the teacher right there, um, I think they could award points for that or take them away. Um, but as far as like a classroom environment, I mean, parents are going to be more aware of what their students are doing naturally because their students are at home, like they can see. Um, so I, the classroom environment, I almost wonder if you could make like a group message in Class Dojo and be like, this is what Joanne worked on today. And this is what James worked on. You know, you just kind of work it out so that everybody can see what everybody else did for their projects. That's my idea though. I don't really know what, what they would do. So what are some other things you would change about this app? I feel like, you know, like we said before, it's harder to translate um, into different languages to message parents that maybe English isn't their second language. Um, so I think that is definitely something that could be changed. Because um, if your goal is to build a classroom environment and a community with your students and the parents, then I really think you should be able to include every parent, no matter what language they speak. Um, because I feel like their goal is to be inclusive of parents, but if they don't allow for an effective translation into their parents' native language, then I don't think that they're exactly meeting the mark on that goal. Um, and then I think, I think there's something to look at with the points or maybe just like a basic 
training when you sign up for Class Dojo that, you know, maybe you shouldn't um, post points on the board. And maybe, you know, you need to give five positive comments before you give a negative one, because if you're just taking away negative points, that's not exactly healthy for the student to just notice that everything that the teacher knows about me is that I am not behaving when I know for a fact that I am not all bad and that I do good in this class. And I think you could also make it, I think you should be able to change it based on grade level because there are things that, you know, a high schooler, a high schooler is not going to want to like have a little monster character and like watch their points go up. It's different than it is for a kindergartner. And so I think that's something that you could look at and change. Awesome. Um, and was there any research you found that showed how helpful or effective or useful Class Dojo is? Just the reviews and like testimonials. Lots of people like that parents are able to be involved. I mean, most parents want to know what their kids are doing during the day. And I think allowing more students to know and more parents to know that they're, they can be involved in each other's lives, I think that's really powerful. And that's something that I know resonated with teachers and with parents. Um, and so I definitely think that is a positive and that is something that should be applauded. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, don't think I really have any more questions. So thank you for your time. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and rate our tools. So what would you give Nearpod? Um, if I was doing it based on stars, like I saw the reviews, I would probably, I'd probably give it like a 4.5, probably give it in that range. Um, just because it is super interactive, um, and it, it definitely adds a lot or augments basically to the tools of teaching we already have. It makes tasks that you couldn't do before, that you could do before, pardon me, more effective, easier, faster. Um, so, and I think there was a ton of positives. So I think because there was more positive than negatives, I would probably give it a higher rating of 4.5 out of five stars. Nice. Um, so for Class Dojo, I think I would give it a four out of five um, because it's not something that necessarily needs to replace anything. You know, you can still track student behavior and you can communicate with parents without this tool, but I think it makes it easier and I think it it allows some transformation, but it's not a complete transformation and it's not completely necessary. And I think there are also some issues that um, should be worked out, like the translation and how points are being used. Um, but I think overall, it's a good tool and it's a good goal. You know, we need more connection because Parent involvement is so important in a student's education. And so anything you can do to help that, I think is definitely a positive. Cool. Awesome. 
Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, and have a blessed day. <laughs>